Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. How's everyone doing? That was some fun there, wasn't it? That was great. Good, good. Well, I'm excited. I um, I have um, uh, 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 I feel like a message that um, is for us uh, as a as a family, and um, yeah, I got asked I don't know how long ago it was, and it was kind of a message that was already burning on me a little bit, and I thought, yeah, this can be good. I'll, I'll just share this one. So, yeah, I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about um, what we're doing. <laughs> what are we doing here? Like, what is this all about anyway? So we'll talk about that a little bit. If you can, uh, how many of you guys have real Bibles? One. We got, oh, there's a couple more. <clears throat> if you got uh, whatever Bible you have, put a, a, a mark in Isaiah 61. And then put another mark in uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17. And we'll start with Second Corinthians when we get when we get to it. So I want to uh, talk to you about what we're doing here, what kind of what what this is all about, what's the purpose of uh, what, you know the fun that we have, which is a lot of fun. We really have fun well. And uh, but I, I kind of before we get to that, I want to talk to you a little bit about how like how we got here. So um, you know before I came into a, a kingdom culture environment uh, like this. You know, I was part of what we would call like kind of a, a traditional church or a normal church because we're not normal here. Have you figured that out yet? <clears throat> Is that, can I get a witness, right? We're, we're, we're a little bit, a little bit different. And, uh, you know, before, before I came into a, an environment like this, I, you know, as part of a, a, a normal church and, um, you know, sometimes when you come into something new, you still think like you did in the old. And if we don't change the way we think, sometimes we can miss the advantage, if you will, of what the new is. Does that make sense? So um, kind of how we got here, we, uh, if, you, if you haven't come to know Jesus, we would love to introduce you to him in our prayer time uh, after, the, after the service. Um, you have to wait till then, no? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, that was bad. <laughs> so... But, you know, it, most of us know Jesus. We came to the saving knowledge of Jesus and got saved. And, um, you know, we're excited and in awe and in wonder at this message that brought us life. Yeah? That, you know, we come to know that we have eternal life in Jesus. That he saved us from, you know, our sins and all the stuff. We know, this, we know the gospel story. And uh, w- what we did with that, though, is we... we, we kind of set up camp around the cross in awe and wonder, which is good. And at a message, at a truth, if you will, that was obviously the pinnacle of our faith. Uh, but I, I think what, and I know in my life, what I found, I found myself worshiping the cross without a Jesus on it. Because how many of you know he's not on the cross anymore? And we set up a camp around a truth which is absolutely amazing and beautiful, but we just kind of stayed there and didn't realize the cross was actually an invitation into the rest of the story. 
which is there's a whole kingdom available. There's a whole kingdom where, where he uh, you know, reigns at the right hand of the Father, I heard someone say. There's a, there's a whole, whole, whole other world that's, you know, was the, came from the doorway of the cross. And so we absolutely need the cross. But if we camp there, we miss the benefits of the kingdom. And so that, that's been my story. And I know of a lot of, as I work with churches and different things, I know a lot of uh, churches, we, we do this. This is what we do. I think it's kind of uh, in our nature sometimes to get uh, where we want to, you know, get into our routine and get into our normal. And so here we are, we got this church thing. This is what we do. It's amazing. It's great. We come to church and, you know, we go out and then we come to church and we go out and we come to church and go to work and anybody else? This is what we do, right? We get it kind of get in our routine. And, um, you know, before I got born again, again, <laughs> the, I think all of my Christianity experience was summed up with try not to sin and don't tell anybody you do. Try to figure out what the will of God is for your life. And then go try to get other people to come do what you're doing. Think that through. That is funny. <laughs> because it was great to have do what we were doing, which is kind of blind leading the blind. We don't know what we're doing, bumbling along. Hopefully, if I stumble upon the will of God, and it'd be great. And it, and it did happen by happenstance. But... That was pretty much the sum of Christianity for me. And I, don't, and I know that I'm not the only story. That's a, that's a normal, mostly normal Christian story, unfortunately. But there's so much more. And I think a lot of that experience stemmed from stopping at the cross and, and setting up camp when the invitation into the kingdom, which is going to be life and life abundantly, a lot of the new message that we hear of the new creation identity, which isn't a new message, but it's newer for us, of this idea that we actually are now, have been saved to being saints because of the cross, right? This whole new unpacking, if you will, of the good news, but we were camping there. And so this has been my journey, and I know it's not, uh, I'm not the only one that was on this journey. Um, and then, and then I came, you know, where I say I got born again, again, and coming into this like revelation knowledge of, oh, wow, there's so much more available in the new creation idea, which in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And so now we start unpacking, oh, there's a new, we're a new creation. Oh, one that's like has never existed on the earth, kind of in the same way Jesus was, which is what that new creation means. And you're like, oh, this is, oh, this is wild. And, and who are we? Oh, Peter says we're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Oh, and then we come into this royal identity message and realize that, oh my gosh, I'm, because of Jesus, I'm amazing. And I didn't know that because I was never amazing before. <laughs> and now I'm amazing and you're amazing. And this is amazing and God's amazing. And man, this is just, we want other people to come experience amazing. Yeah. Right? And we're coming alive to this new message, which, again, is not a new one, but it's new for us in our era, if you will. And we're coming alive to this, and it's absolutely beautiful and wonderful, but I, I think we can do the same thing again, is set up camp at another truth. And, you know, it's not that one truth replaces the other truth. We're not meant to set up camp around truths. We're meant to build on them. 
And I think we, we can set up camp again on another truth of this royal identity message. The how, you know, the um, mission of the house is that we would, you know, here to equip you to reign in life because we were meant to thrive in every aspect of life. And it's amazing. It's amazing that we get to thrive and reign and I'm amazing and you're amazing and this is great. We get other people to come do amazing and we go to work and come home and come to church and go to work and come home and get some Bethel TV worship going and come home and, <laughs> and we just do our thing. But you see, there's so much more to the story. We're not meant to reign in life for us. Bill says that the favor of God, or excuse me, he says the spirit of God is in me for me, but he's on me for them. Which means whatever you have that's been given to you is not for you. The favor, the royal identity, the blessings, the, the grace, the financial breakthroughs, the testimonies, that's why those are all huge and important to us because they're meant for, for everybody. But we'll have a tendency to camp. And I think what happens with us, why we have this tendency to camp is because we're still approaching church like we knew church before. And if you, if you approach uh, an apostolic family style of a church with the older traditional or different traditional model or mindset of church, we're going to actually miss the benefits, once again, to what this model actually does, which is meant to train, equip, and empower. It's not a camp, it's a movement. Well, you're getting me ahead of myself. Here, hold on, slow down. <laughs> so crazy, amazing stuff we've come into realization of royalty, uh, that we have gifts. Oh, how about the dream thing, right? There's dreams, we have dreams, and God wants to actually breathe on our dreams. And that he wants to partner with us, that we co-labor with God. A lot of what's normal kind of in our language, right? This is, this is what we kind of come alive to and realize, oh, I have destiny, I have purpose. There's something that God has for me to do. And now, you know, we're no longer uh, servants, but friends. And he, get, he tells his friends what he's doing. And so I actually hear the voice of God. That's the nature of a prophetic culture. We actually can hear the voice of the Lord. And so we're just coming alive to all this great and amazing stuff. Anointings, calls, inner healing, health, sozo, like all this stuff that we do, which is giving us, causing us to reign, if you will, causing us to come alive and live and thrive. But once again, it's, if we camp on that, then we miss the purpose behind why we're meant to reign. And so let's flip to Isaiah 61. This is, you know, Steve mentioned this uh, uh, in the transition. <clears throat> this is a hallmark verse Steve shared a lot. He shares often. It's a hallmark verse for the family, for the Bethel Atlanta family. Um, and it points to the purpose. You know, he says, the spirit of God is upon me because the Lord's anointed me to bring the news to, good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, an oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of spirit of fainting, so that they might be called the oaks of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that he might be glorified. 
so here's this beautiful picture of, of you know, the reason uh, he shows up, which is to proclaim liberty, to give freedom to prisoners, freedom to captives, proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, to comfort those who are mourning, to give him garlands to, in, in, instead of ashes, oil, and the mantle of praise instead. So, like, there's, this is beautiful and amazing. This kind of gives this picture of, like, oh, we, we, the reign in life part, right? This is kind of this picture of, oh, we, 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 you know, I no longer have to, I can have mourning, but I get comforted. I can have joy. I can experience freedom and liberty and all this. This is the thriving part. But then he says that they may be glorified. Then they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations. They will restore the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. The whole purpose of reigning in life is that we might restore the city. The whole purpose of learning to thrive and reign in life is that we might restore cities, nations, regions. He says it in 2 Corinthians as well. You know, if we continue on, if anyone's a new creation, he's in Christ. Old is gone, the new has come. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. We are representatives of this Christ. We have this call to reconcile the world back to God on behalf of him. You see, there's more to the picture than just being amazing, having a great life, being blessed, having financial favor. All of that stuff is absolutely amazing and astounding that that's even possible. That's part of the the life of royalty or the life of being sons and daughters of the king. But again, it's it's not on us for us. It's on us for the world that the world would be restored, that the cities would be re, uh, restored, that, that the world would be reconciled back to him, that the ruins would be rebuilt. And, and while this is a, a, a hallmark mission of who we are at Bethel Atlanta, it's not a new, it's not a new uh, vision. You know, you can go back and all, all the way from G- Genesis to Revelation, and it says the same thing. In, in Genesis, it starts out the original vision casting session and strategic planning session of God and Adam and Holy Spirit and Jesus. And the original one, the, the plan, the whiteboard, they had a whiteboard, I'm sure. <clears throat> the original plan was be fruitful and multiply, take dominion of and subdue the earth. Be fruitful and multiply, make more of you, reproduce yourselves. Take dominion of and subdue the earth. Make the rest of the earth look like Eden. It's not a new message. And all the way through Revelation, and, and we just read it here, he's talking about restoring cities and rebuilding ruins and all the way into, you know, uh, Matthew, when he says that we would pray and desire and intercede that his kingdom would come, his will would be done on the earth just as it is in heaven. Therefore, you're ambassadors representing another realm where your feet trod, I've given you. That our now call would be that earth would look like heaven. We're making 
Now it's not just Eden and the earth, but now it's even further. We're making earth look like heaven. But it's the same story. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, casting out demons, uh, healing the sick, raising the dead. That sounds like heaven. There is no dead up there. There is no sick. There are no demons. So what are we doing? We're making it look like heaven. It's a great commission. This isn't a new message. It, you know, he says in Romans 8, that all creation is waiting and groaning. For what? For the revealing of the sons of God. Why? So that it would be set free from its bondage, which it was subjected to back at the fall. You see, creation's waiting for us to come alive because it's only us that actually sets it free. Do we need to read that? I feel like you guys want me to make sure you know I'm reading scripture to you. For creation was subjected, for the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption and into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. You see, creation itself is waiting for us to come alive. It's not a new message. It's, it's, it's the same thing that's been on the, the assignment, if you will, of all time, which is earth is, needs to look like heaven. Redeem, redemption, restoration, reconciliation. This is a being about our father's business. Because <laughs> this is what he's about. All creation's waiting. <clears throat> In, uh, all the way to... All the way to Revelation eleven fifteen, where it, it, at the end of the book, the end goal, the end game is that the kingdoms of this world would become the kingdom of our God. That the kingdoms of this world would become the kingdom of our God. And he chose us to do it through. We have been made ambassadors, ministers of reconciliation. What are we doing? We're reigning so that we might restore. We're reigning in life that the earth would be restored back to its identity, back to its destiny. That cities, nations, and regions would come back into their destiny, come back into life. Because all of creation is suffering futility and it's waiting for us to show up and breathe life back into humanity. Because we have life to give. Freely you've been given, so freely give. There's some fun little uh, discovery things that I found out about Atlanta. Is uh, We were in a staff meeting and the Holy Spirit came and we were kind of uh, enjoying ourselves. <laughs> and uh, I started asking questions about Atlanta, uh, you know, um, you know, kind of some of the history and whatnot. And uh, so I started doing some research on, on the name Atlanta, where it got its name. And there was a few different things. Um, I'm gonna share the one that really drives my point with you first though. So, uh, it, it, you know, it says that it, it is, it's derived from the Greek god Atlas, who was, you know, condemned to uh, carry heaven, the heavens on his shoulders. So think about it. 
the history of Atlanta, its destiny lies in its name. And its destiny is that heaven might rest on its shoulders. Isn't that something? Now, furthermore, the beginning of Atlanta started with the driving of a stake. And that stake's name was Terminus, which meant the end of the line. And it was the beginning of the railroad to connect with the rest of the railroads around the nation so that they would have access to come to the end of the line. Why? Because heaven is on the shoulders of Atlanta. That there's an access for them to come and experience heaven in Atlanta. Now, another fun uh, uh, thing that's come up over the last couple months is that this observation that if you look around, see the people around you, take a look at your friends, take a look at your family, look around. We have a perfect representation or representative sample of the city of Atlanta, right? You've heard Steve talk about this, whether it's uh, race, color, age, social class, whatever it is, we have a, a pretty good representative sample of our city. We are Atlanta. So say with me, we are Bethel. We are Atlanta. We are Bethel, Atlanta. On whose shoulders heaven sits. Atlanta has a destiny. We are Atlanta. We have a destiny to restore ruined cities, which in its history has been, hasn't it? A couple times. So what are we doing? Oh, we're reigning in life so that we might restore the city, that we might rebuild the ancient ruins. See, the favor on Nehemiah's life actually funded the rebuilding of the ruins. It was his not to keep, but to give away. The favor on our lives isn't, we're gonna enjoy life. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be a fantastic journey. But what is on us isn't for us. It's to give away. It's for the restoration and reconciliation of the world. <laughs> so our approach to, to our call, our destiny, our approach to this can't be uh, we have to change the way we think of how we approach church before because it's not a normal church. We're not, you know, we're not a camp. We're a movement. We're moving. We're going places. We're doing stuff. We're taking territory. To the increase of his government, there shall be no end, which in and of itself implies movement. So we can't camp. We can't do what we used to do here. If we do, we're going to get bored, and then we're going to start going at each other. And that never really helps out or works out at all. I've been there. If we're there, we're, we're, we're forgetting what we were doing. Because if we remembered what we were doing, we'd be too busy. I know I can't go down to the Valley of Ono. I don't have time for that. I'm about to work. We wouldn't be wasting time there because we'd be knowing what we're doing, which is I'm about restoring ruins, restoring cities, breathing life back into humanity because life's been given to me. The, 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 
the royal identity message, the new creation DNA, all of that that we've come alive to is now to give away so that others might come alive and be breathed life into, if you will. Just like it was breathed into us before we knew. So how do we do this? How do we restore the city? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) You were waiting for that, I'm sure. You know, we got to show up in our environment. Um, in, 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 in our previous thinking, you know, th- our thought is it's the preacher's job to feed me, but it's actually his job to lead you. I'll say that again. We used to think the preacher's job was to feed us, but it's actually his job to lead us. It's our job to feed us. We used to think the worship team prepared my heart for the message. But no, actually, they're meant to bring the the presence of God. And it's actually my job to worship, not their job to get me to worship. Like, we have to think differently in this because this is train, equip, empower. There's responsibility here. So I actually take responsibility in the promised land for the things that have been given to me. Whereas in the desert, it was just given to me and I didn't have to do anything with it or for it. And so the same thing, we have to function differently here than we did before. And our approach, once again, if we don't change it, we'll find ourselves camping even in an amazing message and an amazing truth that, again, we weren't meant to camp around, we were meant to build on. And so we must build on it, which is, oh, I'm thriving in life, so I can give it away and get other, help others thrive in life, help them come alive. I've come to the saving knowledge of Jesus so that others could come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. I have favor on my life so that others can become favorable. I've been set free so that others can be set free. So I'm gonna give you a quick example. Well, before I get there, let me say this. So we, we, you know, in, in, again, in this message of the new creation identity and the new, you know, new DNA, we're like, we're coming alive to this thing. We're being transformed, aren't we? We're being transformed into the image of God. How? By encountering him. Corinthians 3. We see him, we become like him. In Romans 12, we were, you know, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're changing the way we think. We're repenting to think the way he thinks, a higher way of thinking. We're thinking the way he thinks so that we can experience a life the way he intended for us to, which is life and life abundantly, right? So, so if, if, if that's happening, I'm becoming transformed on the inside. And what I've found even in my personal life is that my, the, the transformed life is actually way more, uh, leaves way more of a lasting impact than any of my gifts, my talents, my calls, my amazingness. It's your transformed life that will transform cities. And it mostly happen on accident. Legitimately. Like, you, 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 I've found people come up and share things that they've been impacted with, and yeah, I think it's my amazing message. I had a great revelation of truth on that one. And they come up and they're talking about something that I had no idea. I'm like, really? That? You, I don't even know where you got that from. But what I realized was it's, it's actually my normal because I've been transformed. 
And so my normal is actually making an impact on society because it, it, it counteracts, it's counterculture to the normal culture in society. And the nature of an apostolic environment is that it would change culture. That society is impacted by our lives, that it's impacted by what we're doing and who we are as a family and moving in and in our call to restore cities. The very nature of what we're doing is that society is influenced. So John 4, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, talk about the woman at the well. And it, it's funny, oftentimes when we read about Jesus, we identify with the people he's ministering to, the lame, the sick, the downtrodden. I want to challenge you that the life of Jesus is actually meant to be an example for you to live. So he's actually our model. So we should probably liken ourselves to his life rather than the people he's ministering to. We're actually Jesus in the story because he's in you, just in case you got that, that got weird. <laughs> Not by anything you did, right? Because he's in you, you're actually Jesus in the story. So there came a woman of Samaria. Oh, I'm gonna start that over here. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar with a parcel ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph and Jacob's well was there. So he was tired from his journey. It was about the, and so he was sitting by the well, it was about the sixth hour, and there came a woman of Samaria to draw Jesus and, gave, and said to her, hey, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, hey, how is it that you being a Jew would ask a drink from me since I'm a Samaritan woman? For the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Okay, how did he get here? He was tired <laughs> and he was thirsty. There happened to be someone there who had the, thing to draw from, so it'd be a great opportunity to ask, hey, can I get something to drink? You see, his normal was, there's neither Jew nor Greek, nor slave nor free. There is no, his normal is that there is no difference. But you see, society's normal told her there was. And his normal was, hey, I'm just thirsty, you want, can you give me something to drink? Yeah. Wait a minute, whoa, this is, why are you doing this? His normal is actually shattering the norms of, this, of society. And Jesus said, oh, well, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says you give me a drink, you'd ask him for living water and he would have given, he would ask him and he would have given you living water. You see, he knows what she's thirsty for. You know, you know what the world's want, wanting. You know they're hungry. You know they're literally dying to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. They're literally in need of an encounter with the presence. Oh, well, if you would ask me, I'd give you living water. So you ain't got nothing to draw with. The well's deep. How are you getting the living water? Are you greater than Jacob? Like, not sure where this is going. And Jesus said, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water, I'll give them and they'll never thirst. He's bringing a solution to the deep hunger that she has in her heart. And, and in him, a well of uh, springing up into eternal life. Sir, I want this water. I, I don't want to be thirsty, nor come all the way out here. And he says, go call your husband. You know the story. I have no husband. You've said correctly. You have no husband for you've had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. This you've said truly. So he gets a word of knowledge. Anybody familiar with words of knowledge? Do you guys get words of knowledge? If you don't, we've got great equipped classes that can help you with that and a school ministry. So he just, he just gives her a word of knowledge. 
now there is a there is a bit of a backdrop on this, and that's that. You see, his his normal his life is obviously would be the representation of a transformed life, right? That we're growing into. Like his 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 he sits with the father, does what the father's doing, says what the father's saying, hears what he's saying, right? This is his thing. What did they say about Jesus in, on the road to Emmaus? Do you remember? They didn't even recognize him, but what was it? Did not our hearts burn within us? So it, it's hard for me not to think that there was this element happening here, that as he's speaking, there's something coming alive. You've spoken? You've, you've had this experience? Right, you hear Bill for the first time, you're like, he's saying and articulating everything I've ever wanted or dreamed of and just didn't have words for it. Yeah. Like you're just like, oh, I feel like I could breathe for the first time. You've encountered people like this and this has gotta be her experience because this is his normal. And as he's speaking, she's coming alive going, I don't know what this is, but I want it. There's something happening inside of me. And so she says, well, I perceive you're a prophet. Father's worshiped here, and, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said, woman, believe me, an hour's coming. He starts to prophesy what's happening, what's going to come to pass. Woman, believe me, an hour's coming, and, and now is, when neither in Jerusalem nor far will you worship the Father. You worship you do what you don't know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from us. But an hour's coming, oh, I said that already, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father looks to see as, uh, to be as worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship must worship in spirit and truth. He's starting to prophesy and say, coming and now is this whole new experience that you've, you've been longing for. But it's even what, you've, what you're going to get is even way more than what you've been longing for. You've just been wanting to worship with us, but now you're going to experience worshiping in spirit and truth, which hasn't been available yet. And so he's, is anybody prophesying here? You get prophetic words? He's just giving her a prophetic word. It's real simple. Tired, you're thirsty, you show up. You get words of knowledge, you get prophetic words, you, 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 you minister to the people around you, you see what the needs are, you hear the Holy Spirit, and you give away what's been given to you. It's not real complicated. And what was the result? She went and told the city. And the city came and said, we believed on your word, but now that we've met him, we believe on his. The testimony actually led people back to Jesus to experience a thing. So a whole city was rocked because he was tired. That's what I'm hearing, right? I mean, that's, you hearing what I'm hearing? So, so how do we do it? We relax <laughs> because the responsibility is on us, but we can relax because his burden is light. And we just give away what's been given to us. Weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice, comfort those who mourn, set free the captives, be ministers of reconciliation, I love when I'm teaching about uh, changing the world or Seven Mountain stuff. It's, I mean, we, we, if, if what's around you doesn't look like heaven, we've, we've got to, we either speak into it, pray into it, get a word. We, that's it. It's pretty, it's not hard to find that happening around us. 
It's our job to make earth look like heaven. We just have to look around and show up. But we have to think differently. Our approach when we come in is, 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 is amazing and it's great. It's a great family. But our approach is, how do I get more? How do I grow more? How do I, how do I put to work? I actually have responsibility to put to work what's been put in me. Whatever growth stuff we're experiencing, whether it's inner healing or, you know, uh, lies and stuff that we're getting, you know, our minds renewed in or whatever it is, it's our responsibility to actually put it all to work. To walk out the transformative process, if you will. And then show up in your environment. Like, could you imagine if you, you function differently since we're functioning differently in your workplace? What if the person that got the promotion over you that you were supposed to get, you became their biggest fan? What if you championed them and rallied for them because you weren't afraid of them? Because we're not afraid. Oh, that's right, because we're people of love and where there's love, it casts out fear. Oh, yeah, we, so we're saying we actually live this stuff. And, and because of that, the impact that's gonna have in a normal realm, which is, this isn't how it works in society. Why are you functioning differently? Obviously, you're not gonna say that. They're gonna, they're gonna say, how does that look? They're not gonna say that either. <laughs> but does that make sense? Like, you're normal. If we're just walking this out, we behave differently. We become the fans of the people around us, the biggest champions for them. We find people that are hopeless and we begin to impart hope. We find people that are discouraged and depressed and downtrodden and we begin to bring courage and actually give them what we have, which is I have courage. Encourage means impart courage. I'm gonna give what I have to you and say it's gonna be all right. Like, I don't know if you remember or, or you know, when we first came to experiencing Jesus and come to experiencing, uh, you know, a, a culture like this where people are speaking into our life and it feels like, I remember, you know, a guy telling me, you know, I just appreciate you. He didn't even know me. I just appreciate you. You know, God's, he's proud of you. You're a good man. And I'm just like, nobody's ever told me this before. Like this is, and not only that, but my heart's burning within me as he speaks. It's a difference. The kingdom of heaven doesn't consist in words, but in power. It's that when we speak what we're speaking, there's a power transference. No, you're amazing. You're beautiful. You were born for greatness. And I'm getting these words and I'm coming alive. I'm like, I, I had no idea this was even available. That stuff means stuff to people. It's been given to us, so now we get to give it away, don't we? Show up in your work environment. Start being the champion of people around you, believing in them, encouraging them. I, 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 one, of the, one of the keys to having an impact on society is realizing we have this absolute honor and privilege to serve humanity, to serve them. In any way, shape, or form, any capacity that we have, we have this privilege to serve people whether it's your, work, your, your boss, your coworker, your uh, sons, daughters, your fathers, your mothers, your, your friends, it, it, whoever it is, we have this absolute privilege to serve. 
Because that's what the kingdom of heaven looks like, isn't it? You want to be great, put a towel over your arm and wash feet. Because that's what Jesus looks like. Most of the time we're trying to impact society by telling them what they're doing is wrong and how to fix it. Because man, I've got some really great information that will help you. And we probably do. We lack his influence. (laughs) We have a privilege to serve humanity, not correct them. Not even fix them. Just serve them. Just love them. Just be, as Eric Johnson would say, a friend to your city. No agenda. We restore cities by showing up and seeing people be blessed. We have an amazing call on our house. We have an amazing call on our lives as the family of Bethel Atlanta. Amazing destiny of this city. You look in the history and it's happened. The nation and nations come here. Started with a stake in the ground and it's still continuing to happen. They're coming hungry, looking. Will we rise up? Will we say yes to the call? Will we show up? Will we be the sons of God that are meant to uh, free humanity, free creation? Because we have been set free. Will we be them? They're waiting. Creation's waiting. And if not us, someone will. Because God's word will, will come to pass. And we made this amazing opportunity to be a part of that. Isn't that something? Isn't that phenomenal? So we are, we are equipping you to reign in life for the sake of restoring cities, regions, and nations. That everywhere you go, restoration happens, reconciliation happens. That's the call on our house. That's the call on our lives. Isn't that great? Start by showing up. Start by growing. Find, dive in. Get, get more equipped. Get more trained. We can never, we'll never stop growing. It's an ongoing thing. It's going to happen the rest of our lives. So the, the more we grow, the more truths we begin to build on and things we get to grow in, things we get to stand on. The more you do that, the more you have to give away. And your transformed life is going to transform culture without you even knowing it most of the time. Why don't you guys stand? Let's just put your hands out. You don't have to receive it, but if you want to receive it, say, I receive it. it. Say, I am Bethel. I am am Atlanta. I am am Bethel Atlanta. Atlanta. On whose shoulders shoulders heaven sits. sits. And I will be the one one to make a change. change. I will be the one to make a difference. difference. I will be the one one who transforms cities cities by my transformed life. life. Yeah. Amen. Come on.
Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.